But like this is the first time where I think in the history of VR where it's actually being taken serious by mainstream and the public. I don't think this is a false start. Mm. I think we had a lot of false starts in the past, but this one is not a false start. Yeah. And so because of that, it's just exciting to kind of be at that genesis of like the next, mm. the next computing paradigm. Mm. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today's guest is Russell Latson. We actually recorded this episode before Oculus and Facebook came out with the Quest. And since uh, that, since the interview, uh, I've had an opportunity to use the Quest with a game that a friend of mine uh, <coughs> is helping to create. But uh, basically it's like dancing. It teaches you how to dance and it was mind blowing. Like I now agree that Russell is right, that we are now at the cusp of a real movement towards computing taking place in virtual environments. Um, and of course, like everything, it's starting with games, uh, and probably porn as well. Uh, so I think you guys should listen to Russell's thoughts. He has a lot of interesting things to say about VR. I really enjoyed this interview because we got to flow um, just doing improv basically about our thoughts on, on technology and what it means to compute and what it means to interact visually with computation with computers. I uh, really hope you enjoy this episode. Please uh, subscribe to my blog at stuartalsop.substack.com. I'm releasing exclusive content there, uh, interviews uh, and uh, newsletters. I, I'm aiming to provide the best value that I can by asking the right questions. Um, and if you like questions rather than answers, you probably will like that blog, stuartalsop.substack.com. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest here is Russell Ladson. He is the CEO of Drop Software. Um, they've got a team of designers, human-computer interaction researchers, and engineers who are obsessed with future of spatial, spatial and inter immersive computing. Um, and so welcome to the show, Russell. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, so let's get into it. What, um, what do you think... Computer, how will we interact with computers in the next 10 years? Like what, what will it look like when I interact with a computer in 10 years from now? Oh my gosh, uh, that's a great question. So when we think about computers in 10 years, um, the first thing I immediately think about is what is the piece of hardware? Um, and I believe that in the next 10 years, that piece of hardware will more than likely be some type of head mounted display unit um, that, uh, uh, that covers our eyes and provides an augmented reality. Um, of the world in which we actually reside. Um, we're moving into a world where computers will, one, be able to recognize. I mean, because when I think about computers, computers aren't just the way that we think about, uh, well, actually, let me take it a step back here. So when I think about computers, I think, the, I think about the power that computers now have through the camera. Mm. So when I look at an augmented reality or virtual reality uh, headset, mm. I'm actually just thinking about a camera because mm. the components of that headset are actually just uh, are just camera pieces. Yeah. Um, and when we think about computers in the next 10 years, I think about something as simple as on my way here, um, coming from the mission, um, I saw, you know, a cruise vehicle. And I think about something as like, that's a computer that will be driving around as well. Mm. So when I think about computers, I really think about the number of cameras that will be around us that will be able to enter, sort of interact and understand the world around us. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it's not only computers too, but also audio, um, audio inputs as well. Yes. Um. So audio inputs you're talking about. So that kind of take, it, take a step back there. So for the past 10 years, um, most of our interaction with computers have been through our index finger, as I like to refer to it, um, because most of our computing 
um, takes place on our smartphone, mm-hmm. whether we like to believe it or not. <laughs> um, and most of that interaction modality happens through our index finger. Uh-huh. You know, you call an Uber, you go to your favorite uh, media platform, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in the future, in 10 more, 10 years from now, we'll now have the ability to offer the world what I refer to as a full sensory experience. Mm. The input mechanisms will no longer be just your index finger. Mm. It'll be something as simple as eye tracking inside of the headset. It could be voice input. It could also be gestural input using your hands as well. Mm. Um, it could also be, I mean, there are rumors of larger companies working on brain computer interfaces that can sort of understand the neurological decision-making that you're doing as well. So when we look at the future of inputs, yeah. Um, I think that we're still like very research and development with like, what is that sort of index finger interaction modality going to be Uh in 10 years? Yeah. What is the next one? Like, so I'm right now, uh, I'm bullish Ask anyone on my team. I'm bullish with, uh, gestural input. I'm, there's just something about using your hands. I Mm -hmm. think we use our hands to speak. We use our hands to identify, Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a uh, sort of staple of like communication using your hands and that I'm really I'm really bullish on. I think it's going to involve uh, hand gesture technology. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, it's also like neuroscience as well. Like the huge the reason we have a huge frontal cortex is because we got off of our off of our uh, forelimbs as our they were a supporting or they were a mo- locomotion thing until uh, until primates came and then they started picking up things and mm-hmm. then making fire. Yes. Uh, and so like like the huge reason we have such a big frontal cortex is because we've started to use our hands as uh, um, like like you said, all of these different functions, basically, that they didn't have before. So it's 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 also evolutionary. It makes sense. And that actually when you're talking about inputs, it also got me thinking about the brain and how the brain is just basically like a collection mechanism for all of the inputs that are coming mm-hmm. into our body. So we have, you know, sight, auditory, uh, uh, smell. Um, touch all of these things are being processed in the brain as well and now you're adding a whole nother layer which is the computer as well yes uh, and the interaction with the computer yes and i think that's what i was referring to when i said like a full sensory experience okay. now that you know when i you know typically you can't smell something like mm-hmm. if you look up a recipe online right now you can't smell it in the future computers will be able i mean ai and machine learning will allow us to actually be able to smell what that recipe is that we just looked up wow. um so when i think about the full sensory experience it's creating new input mechanisms for all of those um even with audio you think about 3d spatial audio right now that um headsets such as the htc htc vibe pro um have the capability um mm-hmm. uh, as well right now very yeah. interesting i was just reading something about how uh, rats and likely other animals as well process most of their things through olfactory, so their mm-hmm. sense of smell, whereas humans uh, process through visual inputs, which goes into VR because a huge component of VR is going to be uh, visual as well. Yes. Um, uh, so can you talk more about what your company is doing and what, what you guys are building? Yes. Um, so at Drop, um, we're a local team. Um, we're based here in San Francisco. Um, so we're a team of designers, engineers, um, similar to what you said, uh, human-computer interaction researchers uh-huh. who are really obsessed with the future of spatial computing. Um, and we say that uh, passionately because we truly are like outside of, you know, shipping code for Drop. I mean, most of us have backgrounds as researchers, game developers. So this is a future that we we would build for even if we weren't in a startup, yeah. um, so to speak. And you're thinking um, about it already. Like, yes, yeah. yes. And we're just having, like, oh, we're thinking about it. And we just, there just happen to be people who want to give us a lot of money to, to build the future. <laughs> so why not? Cool. Uh, but so what we do at Drop is, and Drop actually kind of started as um, a personal interest or a personal obsession that I had, mm-hmm. um, as I like to always say. Um, so Drop started... Uh, because I just had a personal obsession with information discovery on our computing devices. Hmm. Um, I would talk about, this was back in, you know, 
uh, mid to late 2014. Um, and I was talking about like, oh, there should be, you know, new information discovery systems. For example, uh, this was back. Remember when, I mean, now it's such commonplace, but remember like the idea of like mobile ordering before it was like mobile ordering. It was mm -hmm. like, now you can go to Starbucks and like order your latte so before you get there. Easy, right. Yeah. Right. But this was before things such as Google would even do like, oh, you, you should leave now because your flight to SFO is in 30 minutes. And I was talking about like, oh, there should be like an anticipatory AI mm. that kind of like, uh, you know, takes these large data sets and can infer things that you will need mm. um, in the future. And not really a recommendation, but a much more accurate understanding. So back in 2014, I was talking about information discovery. And similar to what you said about kind of pulling from different areas, I started mm. talking to different engineers and uh, researchers and everyone kind of kept coming back to him was like, you know, what is information discovery? Like, what is it today and what is it in the future? Mm. And something that we realized that dropped within the first uh, two years is that the focal point of information discovery in our computing devices, whether it was on uh, uh, desktop, mm -hmm. whether it's been on mobile, um, is the browser. The browser has always been the gateway to information discovery. Mm. And the nature of how we browse is differently, right? I mean, you can, some people even make the arguments, things such as like Instagram and Facebook are their own sort of internet. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we sort of asked ourselves at Drop, we said, you know, as our iPhones become ineffective for information discovery, how will we navigate the immersive web? So how will we navigate the immersive web when we no longer um, have iPhones and we've moved into this post-smartphone world as we like to refer to it? So for my audience, what is the immersive web? Yes. So the immersive web is interacting with uh, the existing 2D web. Mm -hmm web VR, web AR content inside of a virtual reality or augmented reality headset. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, um, one of our leading users, um, he spends about 20 to 25, 25 hours a week in virtual reality. Oh, wow. For him, he's already moved to the next computing paradigm. Uh -huh. And because of that, he has no need to open his MacBook Pro or go to his desktop because, no, I do my work in here. I have my social experiences in here, uh, but I can't, I can't, you know, discover what's happening in the world. I don't have a browser. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. he needs a browser that's designed uh, specifically for VR and AR. Mm -hmm. So we developed a VR, AR spatial web browser for the HTC Vive, Oculus Rift, and Windows Mixed Reality systems. And most of the content that he's browsing would be stuff that's on the 2D Yes, web, but it's been, is it changed so that, that he now sees it in 3D? Yes. Um, um, so there are multi, so we've, in, in terms of the tech stack, the way that we've actually built the company is that, um, so our browser will recognize existing HTML 2D web content. Mm -hmm. So if there's something, I'm trying to think like, uh, let's say a Wikipedia page, right? That Wikipedia page may not have a 3D uh, component to mm -hmm. it. So it may just appear as um, an text. existing 2D web text mm -hmm. information. Um, for example, most people refer to when they're using the 2D web uh, content as kind of minority reportage because mm -hmm. um, they're able to grab it. They can manipulate the browser panel. They can kind of organize it. You know, like we organize our browsers on our laptop. Uh -huh. He can then organize all of his uh, browser uh, uh, that he's opened as well. Um, Drop will also recognize web VR and web AR content as well. Uh -huh. um, so right now you have developers who are building on open source um, platforms to create experiences that are designed just for virtual reality and augmented reality. Interesting. Um, so when someone, so for example, if you type in whatever, uh, I'm trying to think of someone right now who has a great web VR experience. Yeah. No one has a great, no one has a great web VR experience in my opinion. Compared to like the existing 2D, yeah. it's very much like it's, this is like, it's like pre, you think about the early days when like you would get on AOL and it's like, well, what do I search for? Or like, what do I like the website? 
but drop will also recognize what VR and web VR content as Got well. Um, so and existing three, and even yeah. three sixty videos, for example. So let's say in our browser you had typed in Yosemite, um, let's say Half Dome, uh-huh. uh, uh, immersive three sixty videos. Maybe someone took the camera. Um, our browser, our Got parts it. will actually go out and see if there's anything that's been tagged that actually looks that way, and it will actually put you in that point of view in real time. That is so cool. Um, yes. So the browser at this stage is um, rather inclusive. Uh-huh. Um, so the interesting thing that we found out though is, um, you know, after watching people such as him use it, is that for a majority of them, they are users. They actually use it as a place of productivity. That's actually this where they, it, yeah. yeah, where they actually yeah. do their work. Yeah. So because of that, we've started to, I mean, we always, you know, it's very common here in Silicon Valley is that, you know, as a founder, you have your one plan for the direction of the company, yeah. and then your users start using your platform in a way that you didn't intend to use it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait, why is everyone working in here? Yeah. Um, why are they asking, can I save, can they save? Because when we, the first version of Drop, you couldn't save your browser tab. So think about it this way. Imagine you can't bookmark, or when you open your MacBook open, your Chrome has to restart and find everything. Yeah. So we had to then build the capability in there so that people could save their browser um, experiences in real time. And so they come back, back to it. And they yeah. can come back to it. That's so interesting. So the huge reason I'm interested in VR was actually the original thing was productivity. I have uh, issues with my back. I'm too tall. And every time I'm working at a computer, my fingers, I'm on a laptop and my fingers are too close to the screen. And so my head is slightly down. So I see the, the thing as VR putting the goggles is basically allowing my neck to be ba- to- totally in its anatomical, like comfortable position while I'm working and everything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so that's what I'm waiting for is something, some sort of, but I've, when I looked, it was maybe like a year ago when I looked last time I looked, but it didn't exist where I could actually type uh, while I'm, while I'm in VR. Does that exist now? So there are a few startups right now working on uh, virtual keyboard. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, if anyone's listening to this, and want to work on a startup. I mean, they're just working on building a keyboard for VR and AR is a startup mm-hmm. problem. Like you can build that and whatever you ch- you're ch- you probably get acquired. And it's not physical. It's not physical. Is it it's not physical. Yeah. So for example, logic doesn't uh, need to be physical. It yeah. doesn't need to be physical. Yeah. So I remember, I'm not sure if they're still doing it. So I want to say last year around this time, Logitech huh. uh, released an SDK for VR um, and AR developers hmm. um, for a virtual keyboard. Um, we at Drop, um, we don't we don't use the SDK, um, mm-hmm. so we most of our tech stack we build internally. Um, so we did not build anything, mm-hmm. uh, or we did not get access to the SDK. But I know Logitech did build out something last year as an SDK for developers if they wanted to allow users to sit there and actually mm-hmm. um, use a virtual keyboard instead of using the uh, controllers as input mechanisms. Interesting. Yes. Um, so how are people mostly? Uh, manipulating the world inside of drop right now it's with their hands and kind of motion yes so another great startup story um you want to talk about failure so i made the biggest mistake ever i always say one of my biggest product mistakes directions i made so a few minutes ago i said i was bullish on gestures and hand put technology and just because you have an inkling and you think that people may want that until you actually ask them to try it and use it they will more than likely are you going to prove you wrong so we had quickly found out we had built, um, kind of did an A-B test for it. We allow some users to use the existing uh, virtual keyboard, and then we allow users to use their uh, hands to actually type. And the first chief complaint that we got was that arm fatigue. Mm. People were just tired. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. When you're constantly manipulating information, 
Uh, I mean, you can think about how your wrist sometimes get tired from typing, you yeah. know, or like even your index finger. You know, you, but this yeah. is in air. Yeah, this is in air. And you're like, yeah. you know, for example, take HTC Vive where, you know, you have room scale um, experience. So, for example, uh, what I think HTC is uh, six feet by six feet. Uh-huh. So imagine someone left a browser window two feet away. So they now have to walk all the way over there and grab it in the air, bring it and walk it back over to where they are. So because of that, uh, we actually removed uh, gesture input and drop, and we just allow them to use the two con- two standard controllers Got to it. input mm-hmm. um, what they would like. Um, and I mean, we still had the uh, the code for that, yeah. um, and it's something that uh, myself and one of our engineers actually plays with. Like, I, I'm, like I said. Um, all my interest in research. So we kind of play with like different input mechanisms with some of that code. I'm like, oh, what if we did this with it? But not for drop per se, but I was like, it can have, it can affect this later down the line. Mm. But yeah. So arm yeah. fatigue was the chief complaint. <laughs> so, no, my arms are tired. That, and that, that almost <laughs> makes me think that, like that would be, which was my next interest in VR is that as a, like a yoga teacher um, and kind of as a body worker, uh, I wonder about what what the technology will offer in terms of group remote fitness classes online mm-hmm. and how that will kind of translate into the VR world. And you're saying that that people were actually fatigued just working in it as well. So you yes. could you could like turn that into a class or something like that. Like, yeah. So <laughs> so something we've realized. Uh, one of our um, actually one of our former engineers. He's no longer with us. Um, he has a psychology background. He had brought up a similar point. Uh, and when we found that out, so something that we did was. Um, we actually added a basketball court uh. inside of the environment. <laughs> so because when you think about like the brain and how you're it's like, oh, I can actually play basketball right now to relieve yeah. my arm fatigue. And uh, it's like you can just kind of like grab a virtual ball, throw it in there. It's kind of like when you're imagine it as, you know, how you find yourself aimlessly browsing. You're mm. like, wait, how did I end up on this website? Mm. We've kind of we use that as a distraction from like the arm fatigue and see like how people would just play basketball. It was a very uh, uh, interesting run, nuance. Yeah, 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 yeah. first one at it. Um, uh, as well, but there are startups I've seen VR fitness startups. Um, uh-huh. There's actually one here in San Francisco. Um, I think they do uh, rowing. Okay, uh, it's a virtual reality rowing experience. Uh-huh. Um, and I've tried it before, and yes, it is a workout. But yeah. it's different going into that. You know, you're going into a fitness uh, virtual experience, fitness experience yeah, yeah, yeah. versus I thought I was just coming in here to browse and yeah. look at you know Amazon <laughs> virtual experiences. And you're getting tired. And I'm yeah. getting tired. It's like I want to get out of here. So yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. What most excites you about working on VR right now? What most excites me about working on VR right now? Or what is the most interesting thing that you've seen in the last month that been like, whoa, this is something that's really... Yeah. Um, so something uh, that I'm extremely excited about right now, and there are a couple of startups here in San Francisco working on it, um, which is uh, what we refer to as like AR cloud solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there are startups working on sort of uh, 3D geo mapping the world, the way that Google Maps sort of mapped the world in a 2D sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a as a startup that's building a browser, that is so important for us for what you're doing, yeah. because the future of drop ideally. And so I mean, I'm, we'll talk about this maybe at a later point. Is I actually want to create our first piece of uh, some type of wearable. Huh. Um, actually don't think that it looks like a lens. I think that it's probably some type of small virtual wearable mm. on your wrist in addition to something that maybe go quick, quick, quickly, excuse me, goes over your eye. And because of that, so if you have a browser that needs to recognize if that's Starbucks, if, you know, if I'm looking at Stuart, mm. um, you need to be able to have that 3R cloud, excuse me, 3R, 
AR cloud solution that has sort of pinned everything properly where it actually is. So right now I'm really excited about AR cloud startups um, at the moment. Um, there are, yeah, most, the two I'm thinking about right now, they're both based here uh-huh. um, in San Francisco. Um, two, I think, you know, as a technologist and someone who just, I would say my job is to tell the story of the future. I'm a storyteller. Uh-huh. Um, is that we really are, I mean, we kind of had the first run, you know what, probably when you think about like the history of VR, I mean, you can actually go back go to the way, 80s, 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 like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, this is the first time where I think in the history of VR where it's actually being taken serious by mainstream and the public. I don't think this is a false start. Mm. I think we had a lot of false starts in the past, but this one is not a false start. Yeah. And so because of that, it's just exciting to kind of be at that genesis of like the next, mm. the next computing paradigm. Mm. Um, uh, right now. So those are like two areas that I quickly like have me excited right now. Cool. Yeah. Let's get into to some philosophical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly because of you, you practice yoga. I'm sure you got an exposure. You probably read you, you. You like philosophy too, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm probably not as well versed as you are. But. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so, so basically uh, I believe that most of what we call reality isn't actually reality. It's a, 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 a picture of reality that we've created in our mind. Uh, mm-hmm. and that, that it's somewhat similar to like a matrix essentially that, that, and that we can wake up to it. Uh, and here we've got VR, which is essentially going to put us into a whole other matrix specifically designed to bring us out of our everyday reality. What are the implications for that, for like healing, for, um, for waking up from this, everyday matrix that we're in already, is that going to help us or is it going to hurt us or is it going to be the same thing, but in a different environment? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know yet. Mm. I mean, I, so I have some, I'm, I'm going to share some of my thoughts with you. Yeah, this you is, I'm going to just share my train of thought. So I don't have a, a yes or no uh, answer to that, but here are some of my thoughts about that. Cause I'm not a trained psychologist or neurosciences by any, uh, by any means. Mm. So the first thing I'm typically thinking about with specific, specifically VR and AR experiences. So I immediately thought about this idea that, so you know how you kind of have your, so think about it this way, I think about it in three areas. So we kind of have our sort of lived experience. That's who we are each and every day, right? And then thanks to computing and online platforms, we kind of have our digital um, experience. Yep. That's how we actually live online in this mm. world. And now I'm thinking like we'll have a third room, Mm -hmm. which will be uh, my virtual world. It'll be a virtual human that look that is Russell. It it takes on my form. That is Russell Latson. It speaks like me. It looks like me, Mm -hmm. and that's how I move through the metaverse. In other words, Mm -hmm. and because of that, I'm wondering if it provides any tension or any identity issues with like how do you maintain this this Mm -hmm. identity across multiple platforms, right? Um, like what are sort of some of the neurological, um, mm. um, understandings of that? Does, does that, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And, and I think instead of having the three things, I think that second one is just the next step in, in, so I think that the online, you know, I go on Facebook, I have that Facebook and this is why Facebook bought Oculus is because yes. I have, they are going to create a world where then that steward also, also exists yes. on that. And so I think it's just a next step. That's basically just where the next step is going. But the weird thing with VR is that most people, I guess it was with the internet too, it was most people when they first got on the internet, they would create an avatar, but it would just be an avatar of a picture and their, and their text. But now we're going to have like a full, like at the beginning stages, we're going to have, have the, um, 
an avatar, but a 3D avatar that's walking around representing us. But then I think at some point we are, are going to face the same tension of real world identity and how much like what you're saying is like, what will that what will that look like when Stuart Alsop goes into, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, the next evolution of VR world or yes. VR chat or whatever. And, and like, and like, how, how will I display myself and how important will it be to actually be my true self? I think these are really interesting yeah, questions. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't, that's why I don't have an answer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. well, what does it look like? How do you, how did, how does that virtual human maintain its mental health? You know, yeah, like, how does it yeah. take care? Like, what does it do when I'm not there? Yeah, you know, like, how does it occupy itself? Uh-huh. Um, because for example, mm-hmm. My Facebook is inactive unless I go in there and make a status, mm-hmm. right? Or I engage with the community. My Twitter is inactive unless I go in there and post a tweet about my thoughts on something. What does my virtual human do when mm-hmm. I'm just not, especially when I say my virtual human, I mean when it's uh, a full personalized AI human. Mm-hmm. Like it can actually oh, think and behave oh, well, just like, yeah. yeah. Like, what will it, <laughs> like what will he, she, or they actually do? Yeah. You know, like that is something I'm fundamentally thinking about. Is it just... Are you saying that 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 eventually, maybe five, ten, fifteen years, that we'll have an augmented virtual human representation of ourselves on the internet that's like doing work while we're yeah yeah that's what I was thinking I'm thinking that's exactly I mean Facebook is already I mean Oculus uh, they already have started working on some things like Uh, that right where you know like that's what I'm thinking like what is it doing when I'm not there Um, is it making because think about it right mining cryptocurrency right it's mining but and that's then you start getting into issues of like you know how do you protect your sort of your IP your identity as well like if anybody that's another startup idea for someone if you want to work on a startup like it might be how do you protect your privacy in VR and AR um but um yeah so like does it um, like, like I said, how does it take care of itself? And it's because it's a personalized, because I'm thinking that the complementary technologies with, um, you know, machine learning and mm-hmm. computer vision, especially with, you know, right now there's a, this big trend around virtual beings. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks are uh, hypothesizing that, you know, um, I guess you can say, broadly speaking, AI, right? Um, AI just necessarily, it'll actually take on a form of a human character. Mm. And they're calling these virtual beings um, that we'll actually be able to interact with, um, with with them. But because of that, I just wonder, you know, how does that being take care of itself? How does it protect itself? Um, and like I said, what does it do when I'm not there? It <laughs> yeah. is fundamentally. And I think that depends a lot on the platform that you're yes. on too. Yes. Like, yeah. And what then, and for some people who don't really trust Facebook with their privacy, like this is going to be a whole another whole set of because what I, I mean, not to get, I feel like we're going down a privacy hole here. I, I should probably re- take it back a bit, but I think about, let's say Amazon. Amazon will probably have some type. Of, I mean, they already do actually. Um, they have uh, a visual shopping experiences, but does my virtual is my virtual human in uh, in the metaverse right now on Amazon making purchases for me? Do you know? Like I think about some, like fundamental things like that, where it's like I'm like, who? Where did this? You know. Whoa paper towel just come from it's like <laughs> oh no he just went into the amazon vr store and like ordered it for you what like why you know uh, yeah um, how does it because at that point it's like i said the, when you think about the comfort i mean for example alexa right now right uh-huh. she only pretty much works unless you have to give her some type of directive right yeah um but eventually, eventually it's like yeah i can make decision making yeah. for it. yeah and then and then you get into what is the decision which they can only do this gets into like Isaac Isaac Asimov type of stuff, yes. like the like the three rules for robots and like, yeah, and, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And these are deep questions that we're gonna have to answer before that somebody's gonna have to answer before uh, 
uh, before we really kind of give this decision-making power over to a, a, a virtual a, being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, yeah. As everyone's calling it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Oh man. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think there is, I mean, when you think about the meditative, I mean, for someone, so outside of the time I spend dog fooding drop, mm. I would say I'm in my vibe about like just personally me not working on drop. So like, I mean, I probably spent like a full work week in there. That's because that's very common. I would say like if I per day, uh, I'm going to try to guess. Let's see. So one day I don't do any. So let's say six, three. Um, I'm probably about 24 hours a week. Mm. And are you guys developing in VR as well? Mm. Are you guys developing in VR or outside of VR? Like for the, are you guys building the browser while engineers are working inside of a VR workspace? Uh, yeah, no, Coding. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. our engineers do not code okay. um, yeah. in, in, in VR. Uh, actually, another plug. Yeah. There's actually a startup I've seen where, um, and I told them next next engineer that next engineers that we hire want to try it. They've right. actually been able to kind of map the tech stack uh -huh. in a 3D sense. So like when you bring engineers on, you can actually just walk them through it in oh. a 3D spatial sense. Um, but no, our engineers do not uh, code in in uh, in like you know drop or you know I'm trying to think of other like a virtual desktop or mm. um, a big screen or one of those guys. Um, they they have their mon their their Dell monitors with their Dell roars um, uh -huh. <laughs> in their own uh, their own workstation. Yeah, that brings up another question of like, what does it look like in the future, and will it be more effective to code inside of a virtual space? Will that will the unlimited nature of like like because for when I'm interacting with a computer, a desktop in particular, it's all going through my fingers. And then what if there's a way that we could, once this new virtual way of interacting with the computer happens, what if there's a way that there's a more effective than just typing in keys as well? What if it's like a sign language or just yes. a voice input or something like that? How do I want, and I'm not technical, so I don't know how that would work in terms of then writing code. And then I'm sure this is going to go into the machine learning kind of also those things making coding easier for some people, although at, at that most basic level, it's probably going to still be difficult. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah. So I think there are a few, that's, that's a rather packed loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> then there, you, you have people here in the Valley who argue that, you know, in the future, no one really needs an iron to code because computers will be able to code themselves. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. the whole phenomenon. Right. Um, I think the biggest um, impediment right now to truly working, um, in VR's input, mm. like there's no, it's much, the amount of friction you have because you can't, is it, cause I always think, is it faster for me to do this on my desk, on my MacBook or in VR? Mm. And in my experience, when I think about work right now, the things that I found easier to do in VR mm. are things that require complete spatial understanding. So maybe I'm looking at, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to like be able to spread everything out mm. and kind of post it, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm looking at user feedback from a new, uh, feature that we shipped last week. So instead of that, I can literally post it all inside of Drop and now look at it. Yeah, that's a lot. It's more like a mental. It's uh, a map. It was almost yeah, like a mental yeah, map, yeah, like yeah. completely the notes. Yeah. Uh, now when it comes and I can annotate it in there as well. Now when it comes to me sort of writing up my thoughts, it's a lot easier for me right now to write up my thoughts on my uh, yeah. desktop. Mm -hmm. um, or excuse me, when I say desktop, I'm oftentimes referring to my MacBook. But yeah. yes. So um, yeah, so it's like individual contributor type work where you're writing, where you're coding, where you're doing yeah. any of those things. Those things makes more sense on a computer. But if you're 
doing things like thinking, brainstorming, visual input, yes. anything like that. That's going to be the kind of work that's been done today. Yeah, I think I think yeah. today, like yeah. that's the main way mm -hmm. most of us work, mm -hmm. um, and for social experiences, right? So, for example, mm -hmm. um, like we're. I always joke and say we're technically a distributed team, but we aren't really a distributed team because we all actually live very close to each other and we do have an office space. It's just that sometimes it's like, I'm not a fan of open workspaces, so it's actually better for us to stay home. And work yeah, just literally just yeah. stay home and I'll jump in a vibe and we'll meet in a, uh, a shared room and then we'll talk um, with our avatars about whatever we're thinking. <laughs> uh -huh. um, Which high fidelity started getting into, right? Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh -huh. uh, so because of that, in terms of it's easier to do I think VR has presented a new form of uh, sort of video conferencing, mm, yeah. right? So to speak, right? And then to your point about the visual mm. um, brainstorming piece. Um, but in the future, when you think about the future work, yes, I do think you'll be able to code. And there are some there are some engineers who have bought, excuse not bought, who have built their um, their workstations. Um, I do know a few who are able to do it because mm. um, they kind of move in between the two. It's really fluid. Um, some of them. Uh, they have, um, they'll use things such as, most of them are like mixed reality headsets. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll kind of move, I mean, great examples like a HoloLens, for example. Uh, they'll kind of move between both mm -hmm. um, for what they need to kind of understand at that moment. So I think the biggest limitation right now is that um, input. Mm -hmm. I think right now there just aren't proper inputs, um, or excuse me, inputs that don't provide friction mm -hmm. to the ease of the work. Mm -hmm. Most of the inputs right now are just like, there's too much friction. In work. What, what's an example of an input? Um, so an input could just be uh, voice, things that we spoke about frequently. Yeah. So voice, um, hand gestures, mm. um, you know, eye tracking. I mean, it's, think about it, right? Most of the virtual reality headsets include two two, two controllers. Yeah. So in the future, it'll be a lot easier when those controllers are gone yeah, and the headset is now, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just eye tracking. So like when I need to click on something, I just look at it and I click, right? I just blink with yeah. my eyes. Uh-huh. Um, that's a lot easier than me pointing up there and then pulling the trigger. So that makes me think we'll have two sets of sets of VR. We'll have one for on the go, like I have a laptop or anything like that. And then you have one for your home space, which gets more in depth in terms of body tracking and all these different things. Mm -hmm. Or or can you have a portable one that will track your body? Yeah. And kind of. So I'm on the verge of um, what do I refer to it. Um, and this is kind of like where do you exist on the reality spectrum? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I actually think that VR, I mean, right now, VR and AR are very separate in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and if you know me well enough, I'm not, uh, right now I'm not a fan of smartphone-based AR. Mm. Um, I think while it while many folks are making great strides in smartphone-based AR, um, I still believe it's a feature. Uh -huh. um, it uh -huh. should be built inside of something. Yeah. Um, so Amazon is a great example of that. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. You go on Amazon, you open a camera, you want to put the chair that you're thinking about buying in your living room. Great. You can see what it looks like on your camera. Um, but I think in the future, when like similar to what I said a few minutes ago, all of the um, head-mounted displays will be able to kind of move fluidly through the reality spectrum, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's like, Wait, is he fully immersed? Is he more in the AR oh, space, yeah. or is uh, he like no? He's he's listening to you right now. Interesting. Um, so well, I think it'll just be where do you exist on a reality spectrum? Yeah. Um, but I think right now, because of technical challenges, everyone has That's kind true. of picked yeah. a. You have to pick a place where you want to play. Yeah. Um, and eventually, yes. they're all going to standardize and kind yes. of come yes. into this one metaverse, like yeah. you're talking about. Because when you fundamentally think about it, right? Like the only difference between VR and AR, or this way, I always explain it to like non-technical crowds. Mm. Um, 
is the scene. It's the scene. Right? Well, you, you would call it the scene, but it's really the background, right? Um, if I'm looking at a browser window inside of Drop in HTC Vive, um, the scene, the background is a, is a, I don't know, let's say a lake. Mm -hmm. Like maybe someone just chose, they want to be sitting by the lake right now. In the future, that scene may be, because it may be anywhere in the reality, reality spectrum, it could be Stuart sitting on the sofa mm. and he can, you know, still see what's happening in real time. But through one of his lens, he can actually see the web page right there floating um, in midair as he scrolls through. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, um, that's why I would say, like, it's just a matter of finding where you exist on the spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, because right now that's... At a very basic, basic level, that's how I was explaining it. To yeah. Like that's the only difference is that your background in VR is fully virtual, you know, computer uh, graphics, and uh, in AR, it's just a real world. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I like to explain it is that VR is like dreaming, and AR is like hallucinating uh, on psychedelics or something. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Do you mind if I borrow that? Go for it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just tell people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, and that, I think. Um, and that, and that brings to mind, and now you just mentioned that both of them are essentially going to combine as well. So, so you'll have different spectrums of like, oh, I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting with my family, so I want to see my family, but I also want to see this web page, so I'm going to be slightly distracted by looking at this web page. Uh, and then you can go into full on VR immersive, yeah. where you are like dreaming, flying, all these different things, um, which is really interesting. And then this brings to mind is like, what is the next step of hacking in that terms of things? Like, and if, and if you're, if, a uh, malicious actor wants to really screw your day, you know, like you could have a really bad trip, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> like and see something you don't want to see. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, that's, so that's an area where, I mean, uh, I think that kind of falls under like my privacy philosophy. Mm -hmm. So right now is something I always ask is, you know, let's take Starbucks, for example. Mm -hmm. How does Starbucks present, uh, pr protect its, um, its existence on the AR cloud, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that the a malicious is, actor yeah. doesn't come in? And where when I walk down the street where I'm actually supposed yeah. to see Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts has put something there. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's just yeah. something as simple as that. It's like someone is actually covered up, yeah. or, or is actually yeah, supposed or, to be, there. you know, put nipples on their. On yes, their, right. On yes. Like yes. Yeah, yes. Like yes. The, yes. The, the AR version of graffiti. Yeah, it, it pretty much. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. So it's like, in other words, I always say, like, how do you protect your real estate rights yeah. in, mm -hmm. in the space? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And that that uh, Neil St Stevenson book gets really into that in mm -hmm. terms of mm -hmm. the, uh, what was it, uh, Snow Crash, in terms yes. of how to, how to do property in these, in these how yeah. to do real estate. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I think lawyers in the future are going to have a lot, a lot uh, more, uh, a lot more in their plate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this is really interesting. I'm really interested in, in this in this um, kind of the future of VR and AR. But I want to kind of get into your life and like the challenges that you faced in yeah. building this company. Um, and what what is the biggest challenge you faced so far? The biggest challenge I've faced is hmm. letting go of my ego. Mm. I think that's the first thing. I mean. I have a laundry list of like challenge. I mean, every founder has a laundry list of challenges, right? Like you wake up with a challenge. I always say like, that's your job is you always describe my job sometimes as a firefighter too. I'm like, people only call you if there's something wrong. Mm. They need something. So yeah, they, they need to, a fire yeah, they need you to yeah. Yeah, come put out this fire. <laughs> Otherwise they don't bother you. Um, but no, I think one of the biggest challenges have been, you know, uh, our company is now four and a half years old. Um, 
um, I mean, we're still a small team, like we're still sub 10. And, you know, I've had the, you know, true privilege of, you know, I mean, even currently, you know, working with some of the smartest brains in VR and AR right now. You know, you're talking about individuals who, you know, X HoloLens and like X Sony and like X this is like, no, these are the people that have built some of your favorite products already in VR and AR. And sometimes, you know, as the leader and as, you know, the, uh, the founder of the company, uh, you ha- kind of have to be able to step back and say that I actually don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and realize that it is your job to create a space mm-hmm. where these technologists and these artists can do their best work and where they can shine. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges have been um, sort of just coming into my own sort of identity and understanding like my leadership style, um, understanding you know myself mm-hmm. and like how I communicate with the world mm-hmm. um, because that's a whole nother mm-hmm. <laughs> whole nother uh, conversation as well. So I think that's. So I would say like own self-development, like, you know, you, I mean, what you, I mean, I was 25 when we started drop. I mean, mm. I'm 30 now. Mm. Um, I never thought that I would be leading a venture back company. So it's like you, your job sort of supersedes like general management and leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're dealing with so much, right? It's like, uh, um, you're, you're, you have a responsibility to make sure that, you know, everyone at your company can eat mm-hmm. and can pay their bills. So it's your job to go fundraise. Mm-hmm. Um, so just small things which, like that. Which brings another yeah, responsibility, yeah, yeah. which is like returning money to investors. Yeah, which is returning money. <laughs> oh, that's a whole, yeah, uh, whole other car- yeah. conversation. I always tell founders, do not take venture capital until you absolutely need to take venture capital. Yeah. Um, becomes, because it comes with a new level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, all of our investors that we, I mean, we're venture backed by, uh, we have, Five five venture funds, and we have one, two, we have four angel investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have nine investors total, and all of them are outstanding. Mm-hmm. And all of our investors um, have a very particular niche in what they excel at and where they can actually add value to the company. Um, there are some investors I call when it's like, hey, I have a you know, kind of have a culture issue, right? Like, how would you handle this, right? Because maybe that person has senior level executive leadership experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there are investors you can call if like, hey, I need an introduction to so-and-so because I know that that's the respective industry they're in. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I have a responsibility to return capital to them mm-hmm. at a large multiple, <laughs> a yeah. very large multiple. <laughs> yeah. It's like, while it's great to talk about the future and building for that, it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, your role, I, the you know, even as like, you know, as a technologist, as an artist, like I still have to be a capitalist mm-hmm. for lack of better terms. Where it's like I have to think about, you know, how to return, you know, return capital to these individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, my vision is that one day that that doesn't sit on me, that mm-hmm. I have, you know, a fantastic COO who can really. Um, and that's actually a role that I'm looking for right now. Someone who can really kind of run the mm-hmm. business side of things so mm-hmm. I can just focus primarily on product mm-hmm. and research. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's that's a very big responsibility. And it's challenging in VR and AR because the industry is not high growth right now. Mm-hmm. It's not something where, you know, consumer facing tech startups and more general mobile startups over like the past, I would say five to six years where, you know, they will raise a series A in January of 2018. And then by January 2019, they were raising a series B. And it's like mm-hmm. every year, the industry is not there at that point. It's yeah. not it's not growing like yeah. that. So mm-hmm. because of that. You're not seeing a high growth and high valuation, right? But it might um, come at any point. Oh, it can come at any point, right? <laughs> yeah. Where, 
something that you've been building uh, is suddenly it's up. Wave, yeah. It's of importance and of, I would say, synergy and value add to a large tech company. Yep. Where it's like, wait, they've been building that core technology for the past four or five years. We need it because now we're releasing set headsets soon. Yeah. Um, so you now go from being this, you know, quote unquote startup in a garage to, oh no, someone, you know, acquired the company or, you know, bought it for this much. Or, oh, because of, you know, this sort of market development or market maker that it's that has happened, um, the company is now valued at this and investors now see a return. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's a challenge as well. You think about it. it's like. You technically, because I always say at the end of the day, venture capital to me is you owe a bunch of people money. Yeah. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So what is that point? Do you think? I know it's a prediction, but but what do you think the point is at which things in VR start becoming important to other companies enough to to for them to be acquired and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so right now there is um, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but there's been some. some uh, how can I say it? quiet M&A activity mm-hmm. right now in VR and AR. Mm-hmm. A lot of the M&A activity you see right now, in my opinion, hasn't made headlines because they aren't the, oh, you know, insert Silicon Valley company acquires mm-hmm. startup for $800 million, right? Um, but what you have seen a lot of right now, I'll say down in South Bay, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, I mean, well, technically Amazon's in Washington, but you know, the bigger, <laughs> yeah, the bigger guys. Yeah is they've been acquiring or a lot of the larger companies have been scouting out smaller startups that are building core technology pieces, right? Mm. So you're acquiring a startup that has been working on an AR cloud solution. You know, you're acquiring a startup that has fixed this big computer vision issue. Um, because right now everyone's trying to build the infrastructure pieces. Yep. And for the larger companies, they're like, well, why why work on it? Let's find someone who's already built that technology. Yep. So because of that, you've seen, and I, I know f- I've had friends and colleagues that have been a part of those sort mm-hmm. of, as I call them, smaller um, sort of acquisitions right now. Um, and I think it's, think about pre-iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great example mm-hmm. where, great, great example, right? Pre-iPhone, I always say, um, this is what made, I mean, in my opinion, drop such an amazing designer is that I always say that I think that makes something great is the components, it's the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. It's never just how it exists in mm-hmm. its final form, right? The how it exists in its final form is the meticulous nature of the components that actually yeah. make it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's even like um, sort of a nod to like platonic forms as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea that water is not really water, it's really just hydrogen and oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. That's water. Yeah. Um, but Using an iPhone as an example, right? Talking about like startups, you think about the iPhone, right? Like Apple acquired the multi-touch um, uh, capability for the iPhone. That was a startup that was working on the index finger. Yeah, I mean, just a great example. Yeah. Um, you take Siri, right? That was really a startup that was working mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, a voice, an intelligent voice assistant. Um, so because of that, it's so I always say we that gives us some inkling that these companies are possibly working on something that could be the major market yep. for the industry mm-hmm. if they're acquiring all these core pieces. So yeah. I'm thinking like two to three years or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, I've, right now, I think we'll continue to, I mean, if the most recent uh, sort of conferences that have come out is that, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll continue to see a lot of smartphone-based AR. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, you know, AR features inside of Google Maps, you know, Pokemon inside Go type of things. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'll see the other companies, such uh, more VR focused, so like yep. Oculus, still continue to do great research mm-hmm. in the space um, and hiring very talented research scientists. Um, and, you know, Apple is always a big question mark mm-hmm. about what they will do. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm going to make an assumption, I presume that they probably will have some type of wearable. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They probably will have one. That's cool. Yeah. So we got, we got about five minutes left. What, um, what is something you've been reading or something you've been really influenced by that has kind of changed your ability to create in the last like month or so, a couple weeks? Like what is one kind of idea, article, something that has been really valuable to you that you can pass on to others? Let's see. So right now I'm reading um, Enlightenment Now. Mm. Stephen Pinker? Yes, by Stephen Pinker, yes. Um, For those who don't know, Stephen Pinker is professor of like intellectual history at Harvard. Um, I actually saw him speak at the SF Jazz Center. Cool. Um, Oh gosh, I believe this was the last year. Um, That's actually where I got his book. And you ever get a book and you're like, I'll read that at some point in the future. Like I'm that type where I have so many books that are like unread, but like I'm on Amazon. I'm like, oh, bye, bye. I like to order that. (laughs) Um, So I've been reading it. And first, it is so dense. It is like reading a comprehensive textbook. Um, So Enlightenment Now um, is situated um, on the idea that when we wake up in the morning, the news tells us how bad the world is. But if we look at all these parts of society, progress is actually happening. Mm. Um, Disease are being eradicated. Um, Wealth is actually growing in the United States. Um, Murder and violent crimes are actually down. Mm. Um, You know, this is what's really happening with like income inequality. And Mm. so to speak, this is the racial tones in the country at the or right now. This is what it actually looks like. So if you plot it all on a graph, it's this is what it look, you know, what looks like. Mm. So. Um, it's really been a return to, I mean, reading that at least has been a return to, because, uh, uh, Pinker presents all of his ideas while they're very data driven. Um, he also provides like the historical context about like, you know, this was the same things that were happening, you know, during the enlightenment, um, for example, and it's like this return to humanism and something that's very passionate to me. Um, I was in DC a few weeks ago, speaking on the Hill um, and right now, there's a lot of talk about it. Uh, just there's there's just a wave right now, and I think mm-hmm. especially here in the valley, like you know, how do we make sure that we're acting as humane and sort of concerned technologists with these mm-hmm. next products that we're building? Yeah. Um, so right now, most of my attention has been on you know kind of coupling Steven Pinker's like kind of like this return to humanism and looking at the growth and progress is you know how do we kind of grow from the mistakes that we've made mm-hmm. you know in terms of privacy. Yep. Um, with technology, how do we act as sort of responsible technologists going forward? Um, so that's been like my on my mind and in my heart for the past week at least. Nice, yeah. 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 Well, so check out that book. Yes. And how can uh, how can people find you to find out more about what you're doing? Find out more about Drops doing? Yes. Um, so if you want to find me, um, I'm that inactive social guy. Uh, <laughs> you might get a little Twitter out of me, um, but I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, just first name, last name, Russell Latson, L A D S O N. Um, so all of my handles are just at first last name. Um, if you want to find out anything about us and what we're doing at Drop, uh, feel free to find us on Instagram and Twitter um, as well. Our handle is of, at official drop VR. Um, so that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, our website is www.drop.ai. 
Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find us. Um, if you're interested in ever coming by the office, just uh, shoot us a note, shoot us an email, and we'll arrange something. You can come hang out in VR with us. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I might take you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's no, been, thank you yeah. so much, Stuart. Yeah. It was a great being here. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you did, please do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and leave us a review. I uh, really appreciate any help you can do. I'm doing this on my own. Uh, so any help you can give, sharing it with your friends, uh, giving us a review, um, finding my blog, blog stewardalsop.substack.com. Uh, I'm releasing episodes every Monday and Friday on the iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and I'm releasing uh, exclusive content, content on my newsletter at stewardalsop.substack.com. Uh, really hope you enjoyed it. Please let me know what you think. Have a great day.